The days grow darker. The day of the Lord approaches. God speaks to rebellious Israel in Amos 5, 18 through 20. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark, and no brightness in it? Revelation 14:19 speaks to the very near future. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. God's judgment is soon to strike heaven and earth. There is a safe haven, a place of godly promise and sunshine, a place that can only be accessed by the born again. Jesus speaks of born again in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Are you ready to escape the doom of darkness? Are you ready to be set free from the bondage of sin and shame? Today can be the day of your salvation. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Malachi 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Man said, according to Bill Nye, lamenting the fact that most people believe that God created the earth, he said, when you have a portion of the population that believes in that, it holds everybody back. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 706 that will once again prove the full inerrancy of God's holy Bible. All of these features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood-bought and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. God said, man said, speaks these good words over you. May God's face shine upon you in your house with light and truth. It is a comforting thought to the children of faith that the word of God has never been countermanded by the skeptics, try as they may. God's word is true and righteous altogether, every single word. In spite of this obvious truth, man incessantly attempts to debunk. Looking back on carnaldom's champions of unbelief, we see the debunkers debunked and a field littered with the corpses of their challenges. Before we address today's carnal champion, a few foundational paragraphs from God Said, Man Said follow. Title, 2009 Missing Link Still Missing. Their latest champion of the missing link is Ida, a lemur-like fossil discovered in Germany. Before we consider Ida, let's look at some of pseudoscience's past missing link icons. In last week's article concerning Peking Man, we listed six frauds for your perusal, and they follow. 1. Ramapithecus was originally constructed from a few teeth and a few fragments of a jaw. As a result of new fossil material, 
he has been reclassified as an orangutan. 2. Australopithecines, a proposed missing link, has lost his credentials. This creature did not walk upright in a human manner. Number 3. Java Man. The original discoverer of Java Man, who was constructed from a femur, skull cap, and three teeth, set him forth as the showpiece of evolution. Many years later, he conceded that Java Man was probably just a giant gibbon. Number four, Neanderthal Man. All anthropologists now believe that he was just as human as you and me. Number five, Cro-Magnum Man. If he walked down the street clean-shaven and in a business suit, he would go completely unnoticed. Number six, Nebraska Man, made famous in the Scopes trial in the 1920s, was the evolutionist proof that their theory was fact. This Nebraska man was their missing link. The proof was a tooth. But years later, after further digging, they discovered their tooth was that of a pig and not an intermediate of man. A relatively new missing link was uh, Archaeoraptor, which was offered to the public as proof positive that reptiles evolved into birds. The Chinese chicken lizard, much to the embarrassment of the evolutionist and National Geographic, which was promoting it aggressively, proved to be a fraud. It was discovered that someone had glued a dinosaur and a tail to a primitive bird. And the frauds, they just keep rolling. In 1912, the newspaper headline blared, Missing Link Found! Darwin's Theory Proved! Author Donald DeYoung records the following. The famous Piltdown Man fossil had been located in England. Over the next 40 years, the pieces of skull and accompanying tools were studied, debated, and often used as evolution evidence. Four decades later, however, in 1953, the artifacts were recognized as a complete fraud. Someone had placed together the skull of a human and the jawbone of an ape. They were artificially made to look old with acid and markings with a wire brush. The perpetrator has never been identified. Suspicions should have been raised immediately for at least two reasons. First, Piltdown Man was found just 30 miles from Charles Darwin's residence. Second, one of the burial implements alongside the fossil strangely resembled a cricket bat used in modern British sports, end of quote. Famed evolutionist Isaac Asimov made the following statement challenging Christian scientists just before he exalted the pepper moth as his proof of evolution taking place in the front of our very eyes. Asimov said, One of the arguments of the creationist is that no one has ever seen the forces of evolution at work. That would seem the most nearly irrefutable of their arguments, and yet it, too, is wrong. Concerning Asimov's statement, Dr. Morse of ICR said, Asimov then proceeded to recount the evidence of the peppered moth evolving into the Carbonara variety of the species Bistam betularia by a process that has been called industrial melanism. This has indeed become the main popular proof of natural selection, convincing countless innocent students of the fact of evolution. The idea was that the peppered moth had evolved somehow into the melanic moth as a defense against bird predation during the Industrial Revolution in England and the resultant blackened tree trunks, end of quote. Of course, the supposed truth of the peppered moth and its proof of evolution have since been fully discredited. 
In regard to the textbooks, evolutionary historian William Provine, when being interviewed by author Judith Hooper, had this to say. It's fun to look through all the textbooks and always this example, and I mean always, is hauled out, end of quote. I'm sure the most prominent evolutionists are aware that their icon, the pepper moth, is no longer an example of evolution taking place before our very eyes. Yet in 1959, the centennial celebration of 100 years of Darwin, which was convened in Chicago, uh, where adulation and praise were heaped upon the nothing god of evolution. According to interviewer Miss Hooper, the peppered moth was becoming evolutionist's number one icon just in time for the big Darwin centennial, end of quote. The keynote speaker at the centennial was Julian, uh, Julian Huxley, an admirer of Ford and Kettlewell, who proclaimed the triumph of Darwinism and death of God. The peppered moth was frequently noted by the centennial speakers. Since that great and heady day of the celebration of evolutionism in Chicago, the story of the peppered moth was found to be peppered with falsehood. Man's truth, which attempted to discredit God's truth, again became a lie. In the 1970s, young scientists were finding it impossible to replicate Kettlewell's results. In 1976, Ted Sargent, now emeritus professor of biology at the University of Massachusetts, published his first Kettlewell's work. And it was more than doubt. Sargent asserted that all the famous peppered moths on tree trunks photographed and published by Kettlewell were fakes. Many other researchers began finding flaws in Kettlewell's research. According to Hooper, some of the critics of the peppered moth were accused of giving aid and comfort to the enemy, the creationists. Hooper went on to say of Kettlewell's research, at its core lay flawed science, dubious methodology, and wishful thinking. End of quote. Cambridge lepidopterist Michael Majerus authored the book Melanism, Evolution in Action. He said that there was no doubt that the classic story of the peppered moth was wrong in almost every detail. The following excerpt is from Dr. Morris's paper, Evolutionist and the Moth Myth. It may be surprising to her and other evolutionists that creationists have never had a problem with the traditional story, except with the claim that it was evolution in action. It was really only variation and conservation in action. It could hardly even be called microevolution because the moth remained the same species throughout the entire process, end of quotes. Man seeks to find another way, void of the God of accountability and judgment. They construct sophisticated foolishness to house their unbelief. One excellent example is the much-vaunted theory of the Big Bang. In the June 2014 Discover magazine feature Noise, Jonathan Keats writes, Astronomer Fred Hoyle coined the term Big Bang in the 1950s, not because he thought it was noisy, but because he thought the theory was ridiculous. End of quote. If you are reading today's science publications, you'll find the theory of the Big Bang prominently displayed. In the May 2014 issue of the Smithsonian, the headline to their five-page feature reads, Listening to the Big Bang with its subhead, a remote telescope finds support for a revolutionary theory about the formation of the universe. A few excerpts follow. The prominence of the Big Bang theory skyrocketed, impelling scientists to pry the theory apart, seeking unexpected implications and possible weaknesses. A number of important issues were brought to light, 
but the most essential was also the most basic. The Big Bang is often described as the modern scientific theory of creation, the mathematical answer to Genesis, but this notion obscures an essential fallacy. The Big Bang theory does not tell us how the universe began. It tells us how the universe evolved, beginning a tiny fraction of a second after it all started. As the rewound rewound cosmic film approaches the first frame, the mathematics breaks down, closing the lens just as the creation event is about to fill the screen. And so when it comes to explaining the bang itself, the primordial push that must have set the universe headlong on its expansionary course, the Big Bang Theory is silent, end of quote. After the unredeemed discuss the theory of the Big Bang long enough and have convinced themselves of this foolishness, the word theory is omitted from the conversation. This short paragraph from the April 2014 issue of Scientific American displays this reality. About 13.8 billion years ago, just 400,000 years or so after the Big Bang, the universe abruptly went dark. Before that time, the entire visible universe was a hot, seething, roiling plasma, a dense cloud of protons, neutrons, and electrons. If anyone had been there to see it, the universe would have looked like a pea soup fog, but blindingly bright. Around the 400,000-year mark, however, the expanding universe cooled enough for the hydrogen atoms to form at last an event known as recombination. The fog lifted, the universe continued to cool, and everything faded to black. After the unimaginable brilliance of the Big Bang and its immediate aftermath, the cosmos entered what astronomers call the dark ages of the universe. End of quote. Did God create the Earth and its universe in six literal 24-hour days just over 6,000 years ago? Or did we explode into existence, the Big Bang, from basically nothing billions of years ago? The headline in the September 2014 issue of Acts and Facts, written by Dr. J. Herbert, reads, Another Big Bang Blunder. The entire feature follows. 2014 has been a rough year for supporters of the Big Bang model. In March, the BICEP2 radio astronomy team announced purported direct evidence for inflation, which is an integral part of the Big Bang model. The media loudly trumpeted this as smoking gun evidence for the Big Bang, and some Christians eagerly but uncritically accepted the claim. Years ago, inflation was tacked on to the original Big Bang model in order to save it from serious difficulties. Secular cosmologists believe these problems could be solved by postulating that the universe went through a period of inflation, an extremely rapid growth spurt early in its history. Over time, the inflation theory became increasingly bizarre, leading to the idea of a vast multiverse composed of infinite many pocket or bubble universes. Many secular scientists love the multiverse idea. If these predicted universes really did exist, then surely some of them, they argued, would have physical laws allowing the spontaneous generation of life from non-living chemicals. Hence, they claimed that a creator was not needed to explain our universe. We earthlings simply got lucky and happened to live in a universe whose physical laws permitted spontaneous generation in a goo-to-you evolution. 
Of course, there is no evidence for the existence of these other supposed universes, and this argument conveniently ignores the fact that spontaneous generation appears to be physically impossible. So even if these other universes did exist, and even if they all had extraordinary laws of physics permitting spontaneous generation, this would still do nothing to explain the origin of life in our universe. At the time of the BICEP2 announcement, the Institute for Creation Research pointed out difficulties with the claim and reminded Christians that secular scientists have often made dramatic announcements of alleged proofs for evolution, proofs which were later quietly walked back by secular scientists themselves. This alleged smoking gun was no exception. A mere two months after the dramatic announcement, even secular scientists were expressing doubts about the claim. By early June, the discovery had been discredited by two independent studies. One prominent theoretical physicist even called it a Big Bang blunder and noted that the BICEP2 researchers made their dramatic announcement to the world before their paper had been peer-reviewed by qualified scientists. This was a serious breach of scientific ethics and protocol. Worse yet, Researchers from King's College, London, are now claiming that accepting the BICEP2 results as legitimate would imply that the universe should have collapsed back in on itself shortly after the Big Bang so that our universe should not even exist. This debacle should remind Christians of the dangers of trusting pseudo-intellectual secular origin stories over the Bible's inspired creation account. Rather, we need to go back to Genesis and return to the simplicity that is in Christ, accepting the words of the all-powerful, all-knowing Creator Himself. He was present at the beginning and has given us a clear and perfect account of our universe's origin. End of quote. We highly recommend Acts and Facts, which is a monthly magazine published by the Institute for Creation Research. In the book In Six Days, Why Fifty Scientists Choose to Believe in Creation, we find a telling paragraph written by Dr. John R. Baumgartner. In Six Days, it writes about the doctor. Dr. Baumgartner is a technical staff member in the theoretical division of Los Alamos National Laboratory. He holds a B.S. in electrical engineering from Texas Tech University, an M.S. in electrical engineering from Princeton University, and an M.S. and Ph.D. in geophysics and space physics from UCLA. Dr. Baumgartner is the chief developer of the TerraCode, a 3D finite element program for modeling the Earth's mantle and lithosphere. His current research is in the areas of planetary mantle dynamics and the development of efficient hydrodynamic methods for supercomputers. Dr. Baumgartner writes concerning how coded language structure arises. Despite all the millions of pages of evolutionist publications, from journal articles to textbooks to popular magazine stories, which assume and imply that material processes are entirely adequate to accomplish macroevolutionary miracles, there is in reality no rational basis for such belief. It is utter fantasy. Coded language structures are non-material in nature and absolutely require a non-material explanation. And finally, the doctor writes, As a Christian who is also a professional scientist, I exult in the reality that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. May he forever be praised. End of quotes. 
God's word never changes because that is the very nature of truth. John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Malachi 3, verse 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Man said, according to Bill Nye, lamenting the fact that most people believe that God created the earth, he said, when you have a portion of the population that believes in that, it holds everybody back. Now you have the record.